This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. This episode profiles Polly Cashy. Polly is a painter, a curator, and the founder and director of Safe Gallery. Her paintings are informed by photographs of lush landscapes and makeshift dwellings, or scenes that depict an idealized version of paradise. She also makes abstractions that involve peeling dried acrylics off of plexiglass. The end result is a bizarre and flexible skin that floats somewhere between sculpture and painting. In her curatorial projects, she often organizes group shows that focus on underrepresented artists. In 2015, she opened Safe Gallery, which offers dynamic exhibitions of emerging artists and is dedicated to the concept of creative community. We recorded this conversation at her studio in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. But, you know, my introduction to Polly as an artist was when we had studios next to, yeah. next to each other. And at that time, you were making paintings that... that um, uh, were representations of landscapes. Often a landscape was included, uh, a dwelling of some sort or a shelter of some sort was included. And it was all based on images, photographs from books and things like that. And you're doing this interesting drawing transfer process and then finding the right color scheme or palette to fit in with the, you were often inventing the colors. And I remember one thing you said to me that still sticks with me today. I asked you, like, where do you get, where are you arriving at the colors that you um, use? And you said, I, I think, I think it's just whatever clothes I'm wearing. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. You said, you know, it's whatever co- clothes I'm wearing. That's the sort of palette that uh, I use in my paintings. And I guess I wanted to start off with that sort of interesting idea. Yeah. And like where you recognize that. Because I feel like that's like a, it's almost an obvious thing. Yeah. But it's not at the same time. So I'm just curious how you how you figure that out for yourself. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking that when I was doing the the like gel medium t-shirt transfer things. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I remember I had this like gray like it was like light gray and fluorescent orange striped shirt. It was like a I think I got it like on the sale rack at the gap like no one wanted it because mm-hmm. it was the worst colors <laughs> and <laughs> i i got it and I, I i don't know i just liked wearing it once in a while and i actually made a painting based on that palette because i was happened to be wearing that shirt that day mm-hmm. but i don't know i think it makes sense like colors that you're drawn to mm-hmm. naturally you intuitively use in your work um not in a fashion sense, but more in just like a expressive. Well, right, sense. or just like communicating a vibe. Like this is my vibe. I don't wear like some people wear like all neutral colors, and they're. Le- I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? But like, I don't use it. Well, I I don't know if if I'm if I subscribe to like whatever I'm wearing. Like I don't wear my work isn't sort of what I'm wearing. Yeah. But uh, but what I liked about that was like it's it's like a it's a it's a solution to sometimes a tricky problem like what palette to use mm-hmm. and sometimes we can just look down at our feet and there it is or look at our legs and yeah. there it is because <laughs> you know when we're in the studio we're sort of 
you know, it's all about making choices and decisions and then owning those choices and decisions. But if the, the choice is already made for us because the, that graphic on the shirt, like what a, what an easy fix. Yeah. Um, anyways, I always thought I, I've <laughs> always appreciated that philosophy. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've mentioned that a few times. Yeah. Or there, I don't know. I just think that there's, you know, it's important to think about how like your work intersects your life and like, mm-hmm you know, how a painting would look over your kitchen table or like, you know, next to you. I, I think that's important to think about it like in, in your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Um, you know, I sort of went down a little short, like a little checklist of all the things that you're involved in right now. <laughs> and I often sort of, you know, ask artists how they define themselves, it's sort of like an identity question. So when you're meeting someone new and it sort of like inevitably comes up that you have to, they ask you like, so what do you do? Um, I'm wondering like how, because you, you have a few different things going on, um, like what is your, what is your response to that? I Arguably annoying question, <coughs> right? Like who are you? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's normal to ask, you know, people want to like have context for you, but um, I honestly just alter it according to who I'm talking yeah, to. Yeah, I think that's a... According to, like, what would interest this person that I'm talking to? Would they be more into the fact that I'm managing art studios or um, that I run a gallery or that, you know, I'm an artist, like, w- curator? I think uh, I just kind of, you know, one of the four or five things yeah. <laughs> just spit yeah. one out. Um, do you ever wrestle with, like crises of of like which is in front of the other uh, you know i don't know because i i have i wear a few hats right yeah. I, i'm a painter i also make drawings i mean that's sort of essentially the same thing in a way but um i'm a parent i'm an educator i do this thing now mm-hmm. which i like i'm <laughs> starting to contextualize it's like part of my own studio practice it's like yeah. another way of getting ideas out there <clears throat> but sometimes yeah i like gauge the person and then based on what I think they need to hear, that's what I give them. I, I, and that's yeah. sort of what you described. Yeah. Um, maybe we could talk about the gallery space. So Safe Gallery. <coughs> and it's fairly new. It's two years old, right? You founded it in 2015? Yeah, more like a year and, oh, a, year and a half old. A year and a half yeah. old? Um, <coughs> And I'm, I guess, I guess from my own sort of, no, 2015, 2015. Um, and maybe, maybe just, just, just for some, some context, I, I, I really appreciate the, 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 the the gallery's mission and I printed it out. Maybe, maybe I'll read it real quick. Uh, it says safe gallery was founded by Polly Cashy in August of 2015 named for the turn of the century safe that sits central in the gallery space. This unusual environment lends itself to the overall attitude expressed by Safe Gallery's curatorial intent. The dynamic exhibitions on offer aim to be anything but cautious. The 1,400-square-foot gallery is a truly unique space, proud to display its quirks in lieu of strict white walls, rough wood floors, exposed brickwork, and a wall of polished wood paneling create a singular setting, adding to the charged dialogue of the Safe's two-person shows. Um, And then there's like a little bit of bio about... um, Sarah, who helps you run the gallery mm-hmm. and her background. But um, I sort of read that little mission statement as 
kind of in reaction to what we're used to out there. And I, I wondered if you could elaborate on sort of that choice to do that and to sort of honor the quirkiness of the space and, or even just, just like, why open a gallery right now when there's so many in this town already and, and the, the sort of motivation behind it? Well, what that blurb doesn't mention is that I started the gallery on accident. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I actually was trying to turn that space into a cafe. Okay. Um, you know, I had someone looking at it seriously uh, who wanted to invest in the space, and, you know, they were talking to chefs and bringing architects over, and I was really into that idea because I've had a studio here for eight years, and there's no no real place to eat but more than that there's no like community play you know a place where you can just like hang out meet right. other artists in the area um and or like you know meet with gallery or collector people there's like hundreds you know just in this building alone there's so many studios mm -hmm. um and it but it's still like and it, we're in like technically east williamsburg but it's total dead zone around here right so you know, I was kind of pursuing that and then ran into a roadblock when I found out, like, there was some issue with Con Edison and electrical power coming into the building when it, it wasn't enough to service a restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it would have probably cost a zillion bucks to bring it in properly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, how, you know, I was thinking about being a silent partner in the restaurant. At the end of the day, I never wanted to own a restaurant right. or cafe. And right. like, I think it, you know, it was for the best that it didn't happen. But in the meantime, while I was trying to figure this out, I had this empty space and um, I was looking at my friend Dan Hoagland's stuff on Instagram. He, I don't know if you know him, but he's the, he was our first show with Dave Kennedy Cutler. Okay. Um, and Dan is not an artist. He, I mean, he is he is an artist, but he came from a music background, okay. uh, and you know he he played experimental noise music for a long time, and I've been following him on Instagram. And he, what he does is he makes he takes photographs during the day, like at, during his day job, and he makes these collages out of his photographs on his phone. He doesn't have an iPhone; he has like some other like Android type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and he's does them compulsively like he does like a, like he's more prolific than a lot of artists right. i know right. he does like five or ten a day and he's been doing it them for years to the point that he's kind of created his own language with them um there's like that's okay that's one over there um and there's another behind it but um he uh, I just thought that they were, you know, I, I always looked forward to seeing them. So I thought like, hey, why don't we turn this into a fine art context? Like, I know he would never think of that because he's like right. not a trained artist and just does this for pure fun. Uh -huh. But what if we just ink jetted them onto canvas? And stretched them and put them on the wall. Yeah. And so, and luckily, you know, Dave has a studio down the hall. Like he... He's just always down to, like, you know, do interesting things and collaborate. So I was like, will you be in this, the first show of this gallery? And, you know, he did something, f he 
conga mobile from the ceiling which Mm -hmm. was pretty fun um but so that's how that happened like i i just really was inspired to show dan stuff but also the the prospect of like kind of turning something that wasn't necessarily art into art right i like that challenge you did that with this guy's photos as well as the actual space yeah which is interesting (laughs) um did you intend that it would like sort of stick and you'd like develop a program or were you just like well we have the space and it's connected to this the studio business that you're running and we'll, i'll get to that yeah. but but after that first show was it just sort of like i'm going to do this for now and see what happens or were you like this is the start of something bigger i think i Did was like i'm gonna see what happens mm-hmm. you know I, I had just gotten married and we're like um we went on a honeymoon like right after we hung the the second show but i was just kind of like not even around and like i I was still you know i i I couldn't decide you know it's it's a hard thing to reconcile like oh but i've always been an artist like i shouldn't run a space you know right but there are lots of artists run spaces that were like in like inspiring me to you know, do what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. there's Halsey McKay, there's Canada Gallery. Like, you know, I, I definitely look up to, there's 247365. You know, those are galleries I really like. And right. And that also to. are founded in, or initially founded by artists. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe like this is a nice slot to talk about the studio business as well, since they're sort of interconnected mm-hmm. and one, one sort of fed the other. Um, you manage what two buildings now? You took like big leases out on a couple floors in two different buildings, mm-hmm. and subdivided the floors out into workspaces, mm-hmm. predominantly for artists. Or there's some sort of like offices and like creative, like whatever graphic design studios yeah. or something like that. Um, but that's like your livelihood. Yeah. And and remind me when you when you took that on. That was 2012. 2012. So you've been doing that for five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what sort of planted the seed in your head that you, like, I guess I'm curious where that came from. Like, I, I think I have an idea, but I want to hear where it came from for you. Well, I was bartending at the time. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you about that. <laughs> well, I was bartending for a long time. And... Uh, you know, I was sick of it, but that was like my bread and butter. And I was actually at that point, I was working at a the Commodore where I was making a lot of money. Um, it was just such a busy bar. And uh, I was saving, I, w- I was actually like saving up money for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, a studio in this building on the second floor and the guy who rented me my studio I ran into him in the hallway one day and he's like, oh, I just saw this like huge, amazing space. Do you want to come look at it? And I was like, sure, you know, just out of curiosity. Um, and he's, you know, I, I walked in. I was like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, it's so exciting to see such a big, raw yeah. industrial space. It's 6,000 square feet. We start thinking about, oh, what I could do in here. Well, it was more like, who do I who do I know who can like, um, you know, move in here and i like immediately thought of uh like a wood shop 
friend of mine and mm -hmm. told him about it and he's like oh you know i can't really move my tools and then we were talking about like splitting in i was like oh maybe i could get a free studio out of it and then just kind of like it's just like working over the floor plan in my mind and the costs and trying to figure everything out and i was like you know what like i i think i could make money off this right <laughs> you could turn it into a business yeah yeah so I did kind of a crash course in construction. You, you know, I used to art. Um, I majored in architecture at RISD okay. my first year. So I, I have this interest in like space and architecture and building. Um, you know, I ended up doing painting, but, uh, you know, I kind of like honed in to those, that interest and, you know, started thinking about the floor plan and the efficiency and like the nice the nicest studios I could make and mm -hmm. you know built them from an artist's point of view which I feel like was lacking and you know there's like a lot of people build out spaces who aren't artists and they don't know what artists need right um so anyway I you know put my life savings into it I, I remember like dropping off the deposit for the space the check and my like hand was quivering mm -hmm. and I was like I don't know if this is gonna work right but we'll it was a huge see. risk yeah mm -hmm. and you know it's been a lot of ups and downs since then there's it is you know contrary to what a lot of people think it is a lot of work and oh I, I think <laughs> most people that understand like managing property because that's you're, you're managing property mm -hmm. yeah. and spaces like how much work that's more than a full time job. Yeah. And I know you don't do it yourself. Your husband, Rich, helps you. And, and I have I actually have some other people. I have a, uh, there's another artist that um, I traded a studio and she helps. me. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, that's that's a huge undertaking, both like emotionally, physically and financially. Yeah. So it's it's <laughs> not a joke. But part of the return, of, I mean, there's lots of returns. You get to help artists get spaces, and that promotes the creation of art and the exchange of ideas, and it builds community in these hallways. Mm -hmm. um, and it led to, I guess I'm circling back to the gallery, yeah. because the gallery is, is part of one of, the, uh, one of the buildings you have a lease on, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, like, the studio, from where I sit, I, I feel like the studio space is fed into the 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 whole gallery program or the gallery system down below yeah i mean i don't i don't look at it as like you know there's a lot of studio buildings in brooklyn where they have like a gallery that showcases right, the work. you right, know right right it's the gallery is like separate from the st studios um right it's not like it sign up for <laughs> the week in october yeah. right no I've, I've never interpreted yeah, yeah. as that like I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that yeah. out it's not that it's its own thing yeah but it's yeah. subsidized by the studios. that's what i meant to yeah. say yeah i that's mean I meant to say. i'm losing money on you know like that could easily be like a huge artist studio that i can right. rent out um but you know the stress of not having to pay a rent on such a large space um like send in a rent check every month right gives so much freedom uh, as far as running a gallery, yeah. um, we don't have to, I mean, Sarah, my partner, she's, you know, she works really hard and her end of things is, 
the sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, as much as we don't want to be focused on the financial stuff, the artists, you know, spend money on materials and studios and we, you know, want to, we want them to continue making work. So we do definitely push, try to push sales as much sure. as possible. Sure. Um, which for me, you know, I thought it would be like a really gross side of the whole art world. And I, I guess maybe I haven't dug deep in it enough into it to see like the, the really nasty side, but, um, but just like so far it's been a little my father's a rug dealer mm-hmm. <laughs> and it feels a little bit like dealing rugs in his front of his store yeah. like this would look nice in your you're house. moving objects around <laughs> yeah like here's an object for you to live with hopefully yeah right? um yeah i guess what does that feel like as someone that w- is you know knows what it's like to make art and, and have a studio practice to you know all of a sudden have a, a an exhibition space and be on the more commercial side where you're where there's a, a transaction between a buyer and the piece of art i mean was that a seamless transition for you or like what did that feel like a little bit yeah, yeah. i mean i i think i have like a business like and this ties in with the studio business and you know i i was doing the studio business for 2012 when I started the gallery in 2015 so like for three years I felt very much more like a businesswoman than any than an artist or curator Mm -hmm. you know that felt a little strange to me because I as much as it felt really natural it's funny because all my relatives are like Polly you're always the artist now you're like you know coming from like a rug dealer family I'm like um but that's such a wait, real quick. That's such a like <laughs> common situation, right? Like yeah. the artist can't be the business person too. Yeah. It's like the brain, the artist brain doesn't work like that. Yeah. So people are like, "Well, you're doing both. That's out of the ordinary." Anyways, yeah. I feel like family is always looking. It's pretty funny. I would think that that's a good thing with most families, like the parents that are like, "Oh my god, my kid's an artist." But when you're suddenly a business person too, yeah, there's like there's some validation in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. My dad has been doing like rug fairs his whole life and I invited him to Nada, you know, when uh-huh. we, we did at the art fair and he I think he related a lot to it cuz it was like, oh, you know, I did like a different version of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went to trade fairs with my dad when I was a kid too. Mm-hmm. And they were like junk food. This is just connected <laughs> to my dad's work. Um they were like junk, like stuff that you'd buy in a convenience store trade oh, fairs, like wow. Twinkies and Slim Jims and things <laughs> like that. But like the first time I went to an art fair, I was like, oh, this is just like the Slim Jim fair I've been to. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, well, your dad must have, like going back to your Nada booth, um, it was covered head to toe in carpet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they weren't, they weren't beautiful rugs. Like yeah. I think the stuff that your dad mm-hmm. operates with, but was that i mean like did was that sort of an homage to your dad in some way i mean it was someone it was an artist's work but yeah. it, but i'm just drawing a connection suddenly to the the rugs on the wall in your in your dad's rug business that was an installation by alex eagleton mm-hmm. and completely unrelated to your dad actually then. his grandfather was an art uh was a rug dealer oh, okay um so we you know we had a nice conversation about that when we 
you know, we're getting to know each other. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Alex did a few. He did a show with us last April, and he did these carpeted pieces um, that did not take over the whole wall. Um, but we just, you know, we came up with this idea, like we wanted to have like a really um, immersive booth experience. Like that's kind of what we try to do with many like the 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 two art fairs that we've done Mm -hmm. um so that was like something that we came up with that we thought would be fun to kind of put hang a show inside of alex's installation right i remember that your your you guys's presentation being arguably one of the more memorable ones there um it really stood out (laughs) well i mean it's just it stood out for for a number of different reasons it was really strong um i wonder if we could talk about the um you know, how you use the gallery post-election. And I feel like a lot of artists and creative people or just just people that have hearts and, and like a sense of empathy and compassion for the whole world, we're trying to figure out ways to respond. And you guys did a pretty amazing fundraiser. Can you walk me through how that all came together and all the different things that were going on in your life at the time? Yeah. Well, um, so I guess De- Desmond, my son, was born October 12th. The election was November 5th. Uh, I can't remember what the show date was for Annette and Annette Warehan and Fabian Lasser's show. Um, but that was the show. I, you know, the install was like two days after the election. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, prior to the election, we're, you know, all I could think about was the show. I was so excited about both artists' work and, um, you know, we couldn't wait to install that show. And, you know, there's just good feelings all around. And then, you know, post-election, we <laughs> we all walk into the gallery for install just feeling beaten, you mm-hmm. know, just like all of us had somber faces and we we're trying to, like, be excited about hanging an art show like while it felt like the world just (laughs) ended Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't my idea it was that it was i think it was um sarah and either fabian or annette were talking about like we have to do something you know we have to do a fundraiser and actually sam you know whose studio is down the hall you know, came in during install and she was like, we have to do something. (laughs) So like everyone was kind of on the same page and there was a, you know, there was a lot going on. There was like Thanksgiving a few weeks later and then, um, Basel, Miami. And so we're just like, well, let's just try and like do it as fast as possible. Like we need to like capture everyone now while everyone's kind of a fast and furious thing Yeah, while there's energy and, so I just emailed like every female artist, you know, we had this idea that I, because it was like a two person show of, and both artists were females, we would, and that was something that like we talked about being, uh, 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 amongst all the negative <laughs> things that come along with Trump, but something, you know, we we're just like, oh no, great. Mm-hmm. All, you know, women's rights. everything's gonna get backtracked um so we decided that we would do something to benefit Planned Parenthood um and I emailed 
every artist, female artist whose work I liked and admired. And everyone said yes, <laughs> like overwhelmingly, like everyone was so generous with work. Um, and that was really exciting. It was over me. 40, how many artists? It was 42 artists. Mm -hmm. And so we were like collecting work and emailing with everyone and right. planning um, to do something like right, right after everyone got back from Art Basel um, or Miami. Um, so... So yeah, it, it just like really came together and... And you're doing all this with a, a newborn in your arms. Yeah. <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, you know, doing... And Sarah was a huge help during that time. But you know, I was like writing a press release on my phone while I'm like nursing yep. this little baby. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, that was... And you know, that running the gallery and having a kid like a, a new baby like i it's nice to have both at the same time like it's nice to have a creative outlet and you know this like amazing thing happening in your personal life right, right. um but yeah so then uh also the same week that we were doing the fundraiser my cousin passed away Ugh. that's a it's that's a lot all at once yeah um and her her memorial was actually the same weekend as the the um the fundraiser but sh so she passed away in the the oakland warehouse fire oh that party out there yeah oh my goodness and she was uh she was an artist and like really involved in her art community out there and activism like you know when occupy wall street was happening out here she was visiting and like really wanted to go and hold hold up a sign um and so you know i was thinking so much about her and just how lucky i i am to have this amazing artist you know what i find a, a really amazing artist community here in new york with so many people being really supportive of each other and coming like especially that fundraiser felt like everyone was really coming together yeah um and so you know if it was anything else like in, in the thick of planning something with a newborn and having to fly out to california for a memorial i was just like i would have been like we're canceling that but right. we i didn't because it's like this would be something that sarah my cousin would would be totally supportive of so so we raised um twenty four thousand dollars that's and amazing i donated it in sarah's name which just felt nice yeah um but yeah that was like a true test of like how how am i gonna juggle all of this that's, i mean as you're <laughs> describing this that's what i'm thinking about like you know i i often in these settings talk about you know the the balancing act that we all do between our our lives and our art and our day jobs and trying to have some fun in the midst of it all hopefully like the fun sort of seeps into it all in a way but when you have that much going on and and some real tragedy in the midst it really sort of asks us what type of person we're going to be and look at you you're 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 you came through on the other side yeah. like a, like a stronger version um and i think that's worth saluting in yeah way. you know what i mean well with good help you know right, sarah at the gallery and rich of course. you know helped a lot with 
with the baby. Of course. <laughs> um, you know, I, we started off talking about your paintings. Mm -hmm. And when we're, when we're talking, when we're sort of like preparing to sit down and record, I asked you if, if you know, your painting's on sort of on hold right mm -hmm. now. And you didn't even really skip a beat. Like, yep, it's on hold. But like where my interest is right now is running the gallery, curatorial projects, and my son. And it got me thinking about this idea of being an artist as not necessarily just a maker of things, but this, this life that we live and also how we can maybe like redefine our, our, the, the thing that we're making. Like, so I sort of, I, I, like I consider the, the gallery space and all your curatorial projects as like an art, a breathing art project in itself. Um, is, do you, do you sort of contextualize it that way for yourself? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially because Sarah handles a lot of the administrative business side of things, like I can just focus on the, like, curating and collaborating and organizing with the artists. Um, uh, something that we skipped over, you know, with the mission statement of the gallery is that we do mostly two-person shows. Oh, right. <laughs> Um, Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I think it's important for like the the whole this conversation. Mm -hmm. But um, we we only show two. We do two person shows, and that you know kind of stemmed from like well, doing lots of group shows is a pain, and it's <laughs> such a huge space that one like emerging artists can't fill this mm -hmm. gallery. Hey, that's what you typically show emerging artists. Would you say? I would say we really try to show people who haven't had a chance to show. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the two-person thing, actually, like, having those parameters is really nice to help, like, rein in, like, because there's so many different ways you can go as far as, like, you know, conceptually, you know, and cur curatorially. Um mm -hmm. But, you know, the two-person thing is, is like, well, okay, so we, we need to pick two artists that work well together, not necessarily thematically, but more intuitively. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that also works well in the space because our space is, is weird, you know? There's, like, the wood paneling, the yeah. brick. There's, like, kind of there's it's a step divided down. In, yeah, yeah, a few different ways. It's not a square. It's kind of like an L shape with some yeah obstructions here and there yeah mm -hmm. so it's not like not everything looks good there even if it's like something that i'm right, i right, like right, right. that i would want to show so you know those are the kind of the constraints that you know it's nice to have a, a few rules <laughs> yeah but um within those rules it's nice to really feel like it is a creative process to yeah. be to curate yeah. and consider like why is why is this work important or like even intuitively like why should this be over here next to this and i it does feel like like an artistic expression in mm -hmm. some way mm -hmm. um that said i'm looking right at one of your paintings mm -hmm. and 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 maybe we could talk about your your paintings for a little bit okay um you this one's a, a, a landscape. It looks like a crater or like a, I don't know, a body of water with little like stone 
mud islands in it. Um, but it, uh, like, uh, what I know about your your practice is this. You probably had an image reference for making this. Can you actually just why don't you just <laughs> walk me through it? It's fun. Yeah, it's actually a drip castle. But, drip castle, um, like so by hand, like a little kid would make at the beach. Yeah. Oh man, it's messing with me <laughs> scale wise. Yeah, because it also looks like a lunar landscape yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually took those photo. It's from a photograph that I took when I was traveling in India and okay. some yeah, a kid made that on the beach and I took a photograph of it and the, you know, I really wanted to capture that moment of like the, the way the light, the sun was. Mm-hmm. And, um, I am, I'm very inspired by photographs and, you know, landscapes come up a lot in, mm-hmm. in my work. Uh, for me, I'm just like really drawn to, um, portraying this a sense of space and fun mm-hmm. you know sort of spirituality in places like mm-hmm. there's ne- there's rarely people in my my work right there or, are animals sometimes pop up yeah and if there are people they're like silhouettes or right. you know right sort of in the background yeah um and then here's another one that looks like uh like uh the sun um highlighting ripples on on a on an ocean or something like that yeah in the water there's a lake yeah there's there's <laughs> there's a there's a sensation that comes through in these paintings and and you know like for the record these paintings sort of operate within the color schemes of the outfit that you not necessarily wearing right now but i feel like i've seen those colors on you before oh yeah or I even these colors like that the the <laughs> the sort of blue gray wave gestures your shirt right there yeah so you're following your rules um, so. The other thing that's kind of cool to see with your paint, like we're in your studio, which is also your office upstairs in the like lofted area, but you have some some artworks from some of the shows that you've had at the gallery, and there's an interesting dialogue between your paintings and the work that's out, and that's really exciting too. Do you can you see those relationships at all, or is it just me? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like that's not so much a land. Well, it's a yeah. horizontal. Yeah, I guess that is a landscape painting. But yeah, that that that's a Daniel Herr painting. Okay. And you know, I was automatically drawn to his work because I d- I can sympathize with the you know, his subject matter mm-hmm. and the way he paints. Um and that is a piece by Ariel Falk. She, you know, um palm typically are- uses palm trees yeah. and and photographs of paradise which which is something that also pops up in my work like this longing of being in a different place mm-hmm. um what else is there and you use palm you you've used palm tree imagery in some of your work yeah too. so there's like there's an like a nice exchange between your own interests in your own work and some of the work that you show yeah um like for instance there's one of there's a piece <laughs> of one of your works that features a lush forest with palm trees yeah um, and then the stuff you're making more recently, like how old is that painting? That's probably on panel, right? You've always painted on panel. Yeah. Like a wood panel. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it's like MDF. MDF. Mm-hmm. How old is it? <laughs> it's a few years old. Okay. And then the stuff that you've making more recently has to deal with this matte medium that you're, um, laying out over pigment and then letting it dry and then peeling it off. It becomes like a skin. Can you talk about these a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think I always, re- now I have a ground floor studio, but I used to have a studio on the second floor and moving these like he- heavy MDF panel paintings, like especially during studio visits, got cumbersome. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I've never been a painter that 
paints on canvas. I never liked the actual touch of a, a brush on canvas. It just never like was satisfying to me. I always mm-hmm. liked a hard surface that I could like sand down or like build up layers. And um, I, you know, I like the tautness. So that's why I always painted on panels. But I think I just kind of got exhausted of that. You know responding to panels in that way and I was you know started hanging actually Louise Sheldon helped me hang up all these that was her idea oh yeah <laughs> I have to give her credit sure sure she's because I had all these um photocopies of of uh photographs or you know things that I found in books and enlarged and you know used as source material for other paintings and she started pinning them up and we kind of made this installation out of all all these photographs and I that really was helpful because it helped me think about like well what if the paintings were like floppy like the way that these you know paper this paper is hanging like what if the the surface was more like skin or, or something mm-hmm. ha- drooping and hanging. like a piece of paper flopping off the wall yeah. yeah so then I started thinking about like well what if instead of painting on a surface what if the painting was the surface like what if i'm it all happens at the same time i'm making the you're you're making the the marks on a support and it sort of gels into one as opposed to having the support exist yeah and then making the marks on that yeah so that was like the the inspiration behind that yeah they're they're great i mean they, they they all they play with transparency like this one's installed like relieved off the wall so it kicks a little bit of shadow mm-hmm. and it's also incorporating whatever color the wall behind it plays a role like this is a white wall so it sort of frames it nicely and it really kind of isolates the the colors on there what's the pigment is it all acrylic it's different stuff it's like powdered dye mm-hmm. watercolor um uh what else is in there gouache acrylic you know just kind of yeah it's melty it's like this one feels melty like the the earlier panel paint like i see a little bit of a development between i mean a very big development between like the landscape painting and these we'll call them skins Mm -hmm. um this one's more abstracted i mean i can sort of see a forest or the the elements of some natural environment but i mean it's it it's just color on us on a like transparent piece of plastic yeah i you know, I always abstraction comes really easy to me. Like it's it's pretty feels so natural mm-hmm. to throw paint on canvas and to create composition so much that it like bores me to make an abstract painting because yeah. it's I'm, I feel like very in touch with my intuition. Yeah. So for me to like create a sense of space within that abstraction is more of a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. So you know stuff like this is kind of easy but i was just kind of going with it like oh whatever Let's like just call like, and response yeah like like working refle- reflexively yeah i don't uh-huh. have to i didn't have to get fussy with it i just kind of right. just went i can feel it. that taking yeah. it in it's nice um maybe we could talk about some of your your outside curatorial things you've curated a, a uh i know you did you've one or two shows at canada or for canada gallery yeah, just one. Just one? Yeah. And then you're working on one for somewhere in Greece? Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I'm curious what your, if you have an agenda, when someone asks you to do, to curate a show, like what the starting point is. I'm always wondering how that comes together. 
Um, well, typically it would be, you know, I would get really excited about thinking about certain work together. That was always, you know, I did a show at, I curated a show at Solway Gallery a few years ago, okay. and that felt like very much I was thinking about this theme, and that's how I chose the work. Uh, so you had a theme and an idea, and it sort of yeah, and I just grew got really excited about putting it together. Mm -hmm. um, but the Canada show happened because I think I started a Instagram for Safe Gallery, and um, Sarah Brayman, who is one of one of the people who runs uh, Canada, I think saw stuff on Instagram and she reached out to me and I, I actually had a conversation with her husband Phil because they they took on that smaller space that used to be Marlboro and they're trying to figure out like you know how to program it mm -hmm. um, and it, you know it was all very new and they I had like a brief conversation with Phil like about oh yeah it'd be fun to put something together and like we emailed about it, and then Sarah reached out to me like, hey, do you want to do the next show? It would be in the three weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, like, just over the phone, our brief conversation about it, she was like, you know, I like how you choose artists that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my, for that particular show, that was, that was my directional cue. I was just like, I'm going to show people who have never shown in Manhattan and you know who are not always in the same group sh you know that like it's all like artists that i like and appreciate yeah. but you see a lot of the same artists and a lot of the same group shows right, right. It's, it gets incestuous at a certain point yeah sometimes. yeah so i was just kind of but i was like had canada very much in mind like i love their programming and so i was like trying to think of people like you know who would fit in an alternate universe canada. sure sure uh, you know, you mentioned like, l like f they liked that you knew of artists that they didn't know about. How do you, how do you scout out? I mean, you, one of the things you mentioned to me yesterday is that one of the things you're really into is looking at art right now. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you look at art? How do you find artists that, uh, that other people don't know about? Um, what are some of the, the things that you look for, for an artist that you might want to show in safe gallery? I, I guess I'm just curious how yeah. you, how you see stuff. Well, you know, right off the bat, like Instagram, such mm -hmm. an obvious thing. It's it, it's a really cool way to access a lot of art that you wouldn't normally have access to. Mm -hmm. um, also, just being in New York for 15 years, like through bartending and, you know, being a, RIS, a RISD alumni, just like that whole network. I also used to work at the Dia Center, just like my general connections of like living in New York for the past 15 years I've always kept in touch with different types of artists from different scenes and um, I think I just like to go down different rabbit holes of like like oh hmm, I wonder what that person's right, doing right right so it's just it, it sounds like it's a like a pure response to seeing something that you like for whatever reason yeah and then you sort of search that person out it has nothing to do you don't like check then check their CV out and like <laughs> oh they haven't shown at the right places you're like just responding to their work I actually check out their CVs to see if they've had a show recently right because <laughs> if they do I'm like 
Oh, I don't know. They just had a show. But. That's, pr- that's probably like refreshing information yeah. for a lot of people out there because I know even when I was a bit younger, like I felt like the CV or like the exhibition history was important. Like people don't want to show people that have never shown before, but it's actually the other way around. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it's Well, exciting. for you at least. Yeah. No, I think that's honorable and yeah. nice and refreshing. Um, you know, there is, there's, there are a lot of artists right now who are doing cool stuff and a lot of them need need places to show mm-hmm. uh but i you know it's not enough that i just i'm like oh yeah they're pretty good or they're pretty cool like mm-hmm. i think i need that extra oomph like right this work challenges me in some way or there's something like beyond there's something mysterious about this work or right that speaks to me that's not just like oh this is a good painting right right i wonder if we could quickly talk about studio visits mm-hmm. um you know, as an artist, you've had people come to your studio, um, and now you're doing studio visits as a gallerist. Um, how does that feel like when the when the power dynamic shifts for you, right? Like um, being the person that, like, arguably the artist you're visiting, you have something to offer that they might be interested in. Yeah. Like, how is that? Like, how are you handling that shift? Well. I don't know if power. Co- I don't. I don't know if I think about it in a power way, but yeah, more that's like, like an aggressive way to put it. Yeah, but. more like maybe I have more pull with what I have to say. You know, like I I love doing studio visits. I love do you know critiques when, at art school. Um, I I always I always feel like I know what's best for people (laughs) and get really bossy sometimes and you know that's such a it's a fun way to be like well you know you know what you should be (laughs) no I don't like to tell people what to do with their art but I like to help I I think I have good advice to give or like I can be insightful and like help some artists like are so busy creating sometimes they forget to like sit back and look at what the bigger picture of what they're doing so it's nice to like be like hey are you aware that you're doing that yeah um but uh i i I enjoy it you know i think like the the studio visits that i don't enjoy are when people like just don't really want to have a dialogue or don't really want to get dig deep into Mm -hmm like why you know i i'm so curious like hey you you know why are you doing that like why are you using this like why why this material like where does that come from like you know it it may not be that important like for the viewer to know all that stuff when they're looking at art but you know for in a studio visit i think it's helpful to get a little bit yeah i mean what a great place to be curious and ask those questions yeah for sure um can you think of a an ideal studio visit? For, maybe maybe we could put you back as, in as an artist, mm-hmm. right? Like, so you're an artist. You you, you you have your paintings up and out. What would be your ideal visit? I think something that just leads to a really interesting or inspiring conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, like just beyond just talking about the the superficial aspects of work but like i don't know get into a conversation about life and, yeah yeah and, something yeah. that that like fans out into bigger ideas and then maybe comes back in yeah yeah i went i mean i, I guess i'm curious about ideals and studios because I've, I've had a few recently and it's sort of run the gamut like it's been like a friend visit it's been like a business visit 
and then spent a friend visit that but, but was actually kind of like critical which i haven't had in a little while and that was really refreshing like i came out of that at the end of it being like oh man like i my feelings are hurt but no they're not he was right and i need to think about some of this stuff um so i guess i'm reevaluating like what i need in out of a studio visit and i guess i'm just curious what other people think too yeah i mean i guess like right off the bat you would like want someone to like that that's like the immediate thing you want you want them to like your stuff yeah. and like and validate all your efforts yeah, yeah. which you know doesn't know it doesn't always happen some people just don't relate to, right. to your work right. and i that i i've i've come to terms with that there's like different art for different people or <laughs> yeah art is like what we make is not for everyone yeah um and it's also okay to have people and i think and it's healthy to have people come look at your work be either a friend or a gallery or whoever that, that might not respond well to it that's like information for you and part of it and part of like dealing with the fact that eyes are on your work and people are going to have their point of view yeah um anyways yeah i was just having a conversation with a gallery gallery dealer who's talking about like you know the artist denies talking about this but you know what what's gonna sell you know how's how's the work gonna intersect someone else's world and, right um I, th I think there's like a spiritual way of thinking about that you know even though it's like talking about money sure um, sure like daily enrichment yeah I ideally right like this person is likes the thing enough to put down good money to take it in their lives and hopefully like it improves their daily the quality of their daily lives because they're around it and living with it um or it's like let's step back and look at the bigger picture it's like what is the like what is the backbone of what you're doing like mm -hmm. where is your direction right you know on that uh, on the sort of like l going out there and looking at stuff is it like what are what are what are you excited about what 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 what's a good show that you've seen recently or what 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 what's helping you push forward or like getting you like planting ideas for yourself to do other things or like put together a show is there anything on that list well i like i'm attracted to artists who make art because they like making it mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of artists out there who are just like interested in playing the game of like what looks right right now and like to trying to be like other artists and i don't know i just feel like like sometimes people don't know how to find their real inner voice and they're just like grasping onto someone else's so it's nice to i'm excited by people who find their own way or it's also nice to like if you're in a studio visit you can see that someone's had a lot of struggle like and they've been going you know they've had the studio practice and you could see that they worked through something and came out the other end with something that's like uniquely their own mm -hmm. that's exciting i think when yeah. they you know when they do something that surprises themselves and also surprises you mm -hmm. yeah that's well said um and I guess maybe, maybe we, we like sort of nearing, nearing, I think an end point, but one of the things you mentioned to me in preparation of coming over here was like, you're dreaming about some making some paintings. And I thought that was like a really nice, nice thing to say within the context of these other projects you've taken on. 
running the studios, running the gallery, taking care of the kid, like facilitating a, a community of artists in the like in terms of ho putting on these shows that bring a lot of people together. Um, you're doing a lot of stuff that I think contributes to the form of art and the conversation of art and the you know the promotion of ideas and the exchange of ideas. So to hear you, like I'm, I'm curious, like what you're dreaming about making in the context of all this other stuff that you're doing too. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've always made art alone, but I, I think it would be fun to actually, I was like daydreaming about doing an installation with Rich, my husband, mm -hmm. who's a sculptor. And, um, yeah, I just, I had this vision of all these like forms. He's really good at building stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not a 3d person, but you know, I thought about, different forms that he could make that I could paint on top of. I got really excited about that idea. Um, you know, the reality of that would probably be <laughs> not as fun. You know, having two artists, being married to an artist, we're both so opinionated. But, right. you know, we, ha we also have a lot of things that we have in common. But, sure, sure. Um, that could be a great project. Yeah. I, I've seen a few of Rich's sculptures, and I'd love to see you guys collaborate. I think that <laughs> like the end result could be pretty cool. Yeah. And then you got to let Desmond sort of like <laughs> live in it or something yeah. like that. Um, you know, I said you know when when before I came over, how like sort of excited I was to talk to you with this sort of trajectory of being a painter, and then you know developing this business and running your own business, and then that business subsidizing a gallery space, and then running a gallery. And becoming a parent, like there's a lot, like a lot of really inspiring, um, like uh, beautiful things that you, you're doing right now, yeah. and it's been really nice to hear about it and reconnect in this way. I mean, we used to share a studio together, yeah. so it's pretty great <laughs> uh, to come back and talk in this in this context. So thanks for doing this. I I want to add one more. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, oh, I was in the studio visit the other day and uh, with this artist and. Right off the bat, she was. She said something like, I, "I'm interested in 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 magical, uh, magical work. Magical work. <laughs> Making magical work." And I thought that was an interesting way of starting off the studio visit, and I was thinking about it in terms of my own work. And I always thought about like just the hist in the history of painting about how like these paintings are sort of portals and can you know take you to alternate yeah. dimensions and um you know and you know i i feel like in, i've had some experiences where like i've painted something whether it's a coincidence or not like some place that i've never been to before and then i like i'm walking through that place that i painted and it's like oh my god like deja vu mm -hmm. um but I don't know. It's maybe like an idealistic hippie way to end things. But I, I, I think it's important to talk, think about the magic of art. Yeah, making. that's well said. Thanks, Polly. Sure. And we've made it to the end. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also find the series and subscribe in iTunes. 
Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.